Well, good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining us for Online Church. We're so glad that you're here this morning. We're starting our brand new series on Advent, A Season of Hope. And we're actually uh, starting with a message of waiting in hope. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them out. Uh, go ahead and pull those out, uh, whether it's in your phone, in your app, your iPad, or your actual literal physical Bible. We're going to be going through 1 Peter today and also covering 1 Thessalonians, but we'll go to 1 Peter chapter 1 first. Before we turn there, I uh, just want to talk to you about the world that we're living in and the season that we're at. Um, we live in an age of tension where there's tension and almost opposition it's almost like a rubber band that's being pulled and, and stretched out. There's a lot of tension. And I'm not talking about tension between Democrats and Rep Republicans, about Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. We're not talking about right twicks or left twicks or Cowboys fans or Washington football team fans, whatever that means, or not even about... Uh, pro-rail or anti-rail. I've never met a person who is pro-rail here in Hawaii. But anyways, the type of tension we're talking about is um, biblically, there's this tension between the now and the not yet. In other words, because of Jesus, his life, his death and resurrection, he ushered in the kingdom of God now but it is not here fully yet. So there's this tension because uh, now, because of what Jesus has done, our minds have been renewed, but our bodies have not been fully redeemed yet. I think Paul says it best, like, I'm the chief of all sinners. That, what I, that which I want to do, I don't do. That's, that which I don't want to do, that's exactly what I do, right? That we have this desire to please God, but we also have the sinful human nature that are, that's at war with each other. And we live in this age of tension of now and not yet. And I think nothing can express that more than the season of Advent. Remember, Advent in Latin means arrival or coming. It's this traditional celebration of the first Advent of Jesus when he came in humility but he's going to have a second advent, a second arrival, a second coming where he will be coming in glory. The season of advent is a time of rejoicing and remembering, looking uh, back to what Christ has done his fr the first time and looking forward. So there's that sense of tension again. And we're going to go through our text this morning in 1 Peter. Let's go ahead and turn there. 1 Peter chapter eight, 1, verse 8, it says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, underline that word, circle that word salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be Yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or with the time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them 
that they were serving not themselves, but you, believers like you and me now, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And here's the conclusion, verse 13, of this great salvation that we have. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace. Underline that. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it talks about the importance of sight. Peter starts off with this idea that, hey, even though you don't see it, you have not seen him, yet you love him. And even though you don't see him now, yet you believe in him and you have great and you greatly rejoice in Jesus. And I want to talk about the importance of sight. You know, uh, my son Judah, uh, 14 years old, he's working super hard, uh, you know, saved up his money, his birthday money, his Christmas money, his little car wash business. He sold his bike. He sold his skateboard so he could buy this thing called a one wheel. I don't know if you've seen those. Uh, it's kind of like a, this, a one wheel. It's one wheel. It's almost like a mini scooter tire or whatever. And the kids, it's electronic. It's like a skateboard that he goes around. But he wanted to buy it, and, you know, it's, it's pretty uh, pricey. It's pretty expensive, especially for a 14-year-old. But he saved up all his money. He worked hard for it. He had a goal to meet. And he found a one-wheel on Facebook Marketplace. And he's like, hey, Dad, could you go with me? I was like, yeah, sure. I don't know if you need me. He goes, well, it's at a pawn shop, uh, right at, you know, near Keomoku. Um, and this pawn shop, they won't let me see it. I'm like, Pfft. Son, no worries. I got you. I'm your dad. I'm not going to let anything happen to my son. What's this? How could you buy something, spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars and not look at the product? Nah, son, I'll set them straight. Let's go. So we went over there. You know, I had the sense of pride as a protective dad. And we go over there to the pawn shop. My, he's like, hey, could we see it? And he just brings out this box. Brings out this box and this box... I was like, oh, can you open it? No, bruh, no can. I'm like, what? And I'm like, hey, I'm just overprotecting. You know, this is policy, sir. That not unless you give us the cash, then we can open it. I was like, hey. And I was trying to think of a comeback, but this dude was like a six foot four Samoan dude that wore like Raiders gear, that, you know, perpetuates the stereotypes of Raiders fans, but just kidding. But he's this big, burly, intimidating figure. He says, we can't see it. I'm like, uh-huh, but I'm the dad. Can we look at it? He goes, no, no can. I'm like, okay. So we ended up giving, forking over cash to get, and we didn't even know what, what was inside. It could have been a bag of bricks, you know, but it ended up being a one wheel. Now, it's a funny story because, you know, Buying something, putting your life into something, uh, believing in something without actually seeing it, it's a tough thing to do. There's a big obstacle where our sight overcomes our faith. In biblical studies, 
this uh, couple, first couple of verses in 1 Peter, it's what they call a concessive statement. It, it's what they use in discourse analysis to trace the argument or the thought flow from one phrase to the next. And a concessive statement has two components. One is this, that there is an obstacle. Second is that there is a surprising outcome. The obstacle in 1 Peter, we see here, is that we have not seen Jesus. It's in the past tense. What is the surprising outcome? Yet we believe in Him. Okay. And then the second statement, though you do not see Him now, yet you believe in Him. So what's the obstacle? We don't see Him now, but what is the surprising outcome? that we believe in Him and we greatly rejoice in Christ. And this is kind of the heart and of Advent. It captures the essence of this concessive idea, though we can't see a God, see a Savior, that we can't see with our own eyes, yet we love and we believe. We look forward in anticipation to return. This concessive idea would be like, uh, you know, even though we have a plastic and a fake tree, that's the obstacle. What is the surprising outcome? Yet it smells like fresh pine tree, right? Fresh Christmas tree. Another example is like, even though I didn't study for the test, that's a big obstacle. What is the surprising outcome? Yet I still got 100% on the test. So the obstacle to believing here in Christ is that we don't see Him. We haven't seen Him. We don't see Him now. But this is where faith comes in, where we have this salvation that angels long to look. Do you know that angels are eager and they're almost jealous, they're peanut butter jelly about your faith in Christ, that they want to experience the redemption of their souls, the renewal of their minds, the transformation of their hearts, and they long to look, but angels can't experience that. And here we are because of the first coming of Christ, even though we don't see it, but we, there's, He's coming back again. There's a second advent of Christ, and this is where we put all in, all of our hopes in Christ. I have two main points for us uh, this morning. The first is this, waiting for the second advent of Jesus is a fruit of genuine faith. Let me repeat that for you guys. Waiting for the second advent. Remember, we're talking about waiting in hope. If you, you and I are waiting for Christ to come back and we're hoping, putting all of our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, all of our desires, all of our lives, waiting for Christ to return, this is a fruit of genuine faith. When we think of faith, a faith that's genuine, if you're Elecano, you say genuine. <laughs> but if you think of genuine faith, what do you think of? Oh, that person um, follows the Ten Commandments. Oh, they, that person reads the Bible. She goes to church. He serves. That person has the he is greater than I bumper sticker, right? And that's why they listen to Christian music and the fish and all that stuff. And those are what our connotations are of someone who has genuine faith in Christ. But... 
in 1 Thessalonians, we see a litmus test or a fruit of the Thessalonian church of them having faith in Christ. Let's look at our text. It says in verse 8, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Let me pause there for a second. Their faith, their belief in Jesus, the Thessalonian church, it led to a change in their behavior. And um, Thessalonica here, in the ancient world, news spread as people spread. Okay, And uh, Thessalonica was a commercial port. And the news of the Thessalonians' faith, it, in the response to the gospel, it started spreading everywhere. Okay, let's continue in verse 9. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And third, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Do you see the connection here? The Thessalonian believers, the Thessalonian church, their faith in Christ started spreading everywhere. They're, they're making Jesus famous and how they respond to the gospel. That the gospel came not only in word, but also in power, in full conviction, full of the Holy Spirit. And their faith started spreading. And there's three things that talked about the genuineness of their faith. Right? In verse 9, it says how you turned from idols. See, Jesus just wasn't one of the idols that the Thessalonian believers, once they believed the gospel, their eyes were opened. They turned from their idols and turned to the living and true God. One of my close friends, uh, he received Christ uh, he's actually uh, pastoring out in Canada. I mentioned him before, but, you know, we're sharing the gospel and the good news to his mom. And his mom's like, oh, Jesus is all good. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I want to keep, I think I believe in Jesus. And, and he was like, yes, thank you, Jesus. He goes, and, but he said, oh, Andy, uh, you know, could I keep Jesus along with Buddha and they could be in the same place? It's like, no, <laughs> that's no. Jesus is the king, the one and only king forever. There's no one who can usurp King Jesus. There's not a syncretism where you mix Jesus with other gods. You mix Jesus plus this and plus whatever idols that they served. Their, the, their faith was genuine because they turned from their idols to the living God. And what is the third action that they had, or the third thing about the genuineness of their faith, that they waited for His Son from heaven. Genuine faith requires or is expressed in the fact that we wait for Jesus Christ to return. I think C.S. Lewis said it best, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most prob probable explanation is that we were made for another world. 
You see, when we put our faith in Christ, he changes us from the inside out. Our desires change, our ambitions change, our palates change, our priorities change, our dreams and vision, it changed because Jesus transforms us from the inside out. And one of the things that Jesus changes is that he stirs in us this hunger for his return. It's the old Aramaic word, Maranatha, return, O Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Second Corinthians, return, O Lord God. Come, Lord Jesus, come. I think for me, this is a, a litmus test of genuine faith. Do you desire for Christ to come back or are you too comfortable? Do you like the way things are right now? We're living in heaven on earth, right? We're living in paradise. I mean, just this morning, I went out for a jog with my dog and half a mile, one mile down the street, we're in Mauna Lua Bay and just looking at the glory of the ocean and the mountains, you know, Diamond Head on my right and Coco Crater on my left, and it's just amazing. And But yet... A true faith in Christ understands that the good things that, are, that we're living in now, these are just foretaste. These are just little appetizers that it points to the main course, which is Jesus. The common grace, the common gifts that God has given us, the good things, friends, family, health, good food. They all point to Christ. The good gifts point to a good giver. And part of knowing Christ and part of faith, genuine faith in Christ, is that there's this dissatisfaction to the things of this world. Yeah, making money is good, but it's, it just doesn't fill up my soul like it used to before I came to know Jesus. Marriage is great, having kids is great, but it just doesn't completely satisfy like Christ does. And when we have this desire and this longing to look for Christ and for Him, for him to come back, it, it validates, it confirms, it's a fruit of genuine faith. On a scale from 0 to 10, 0 being none and 10 being like, I can't wait. I'm so stoked for Jesus to come back. Where are you at in your desire, in your longing, in your anticipation for Jesus Christ to come back in his second advent? Where are you at? Are you too comfortable with where you're with life right now? Or are you longing for Jesus Christ to come back? Because, see, you could turn from serving false idols, idolatry, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, money, love of money, being famous, sex, all these things. You could turn away from them, like the Thessalonian church, and turn to the living God. But their faith included one that longed and put their hope and faith and trust in Christ to come back. 
Secondly, when this is connected, would you write this down? Jesus just doesn't change your destination. He changes your desires. The God of the universe, the lover of your soul, the redeemer of your life. Once you said yes to him and you received him into your life, he just doesn't change your destination of you going from hell to heaven. Jesus, when he comes in to your life, in John, the gospel of John, he breathed into the disciples. It's uh, reminiscent of God, the Father, breathing new life into Adam. In the same way, when you and I receive Christ, He gives us and He changes not only where we're going in our destination, but Jesus transforms, metamorphosizes. He changes not just our destination, but He changes our desires. He changes our hearts. Remember last week we looked at Ezekiel 36 verse 26 that Jesus, he gave us a new heart. He removes our heart of stone, you know, the heart of callousness and he puts in in a heart of flesh. Do you remember before you came to know Jesus, like going to church was the most boring boringest thing is that even a word boringest <laughs> is the most boringest thing super superlative yeah in the whole world like reading your bible is just mumbo jumbo it seemed like such a chore to serve it seemed like such a chore to um to obey that you're like going against the grind uh to worship god you didn't get it why would people lift their hands in worship you didn't get why people would weep and cry as they prayed. But as you, gave, as you give your life to Jesus and as you surrender yourself to Him, as the Holy Spirit of God dwells inside of you, He changes you from the inside out so that your desires change. Your palate changes. That you begin to want what God wants for your life. Not only do you obey Christ, but you want to obey Christ. Not only do you, do you serve, but you want to serve. You know, it's like that old thing, you know, with your spouse, right? That, okay, fine, I'll wash the dishes. Fine, I'll fold the clothes. Fine, I'll do yard work around the house. It's this... I want you to want to do it. It's like, babe, it will be my pleasure. Babe, you've done so much. You cooked just an amazing meal for the family. Man, of course I want to do chores. I want to do errands. Of course. That there is a shift and a change in desire. Look at Hebrews 9.28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time, not only to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. December 
is coming up the end of the year and it's time for us to make our new year's resolutions knock knock remember those let me ask you something where in your new year's resolutions is waiting for Christ's return on the list Is waiting in hope for Jesus Christ to come back? Is that even in your radar? Maybe you're so focused on your situation and your circumstance right now, you just can't look. You have such a myopic and short-sighted view of your financial struggles. You're maybe so concentrated in your personal loss and suffering if the things of this world don't satisfy the most probable cause for that is that you made for another world you and I were made to have a relationship with Christ enough of the daily you know enough messing around Dealing, dallying, right? And, and just coasting through life. This morning, has Jesus changed your desire? Or are you just going through the motions of faith? If you're just going through surviving this pandemic season, surviving the loss, surviving the hardship, surviving the difficulty, surviving the trials. Maybe it's because we're not thriving because there is not a sense of longing for Christ to be in your situation. Uh, a longing for Christ to come back. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And my prayer is that this Advent season, it, not only it would be in our radar, but we would lust and we would covet more of God. That we would look forward to His return. That our spiritual palate would be cleansed. We would come before God in the position of the beggar and ask for forgiveness. Trying to stuff ourselves with the things of this world. Paul wrote to the churches in Philippi, you're not citizens of this world, you're citizens of heaven. You were made for something more, so much more. You're made for so much more than just making a paycheck and clocking in and clocking out. You were made for so much more than just doing chores and doing your, your duties. You were made for so much more than just doing your homework and getting A's and filling research papers and getting a degree and getting a job you were made to enjoy God what is the chief end of man what is the purpose of people here on earth it is to give glory to God to glorify God by delighting and enjoying him you and I are made to have a relationship with Jesus may our carnal thoughts be so heavenly Richard Baxter says in his Puritan prayer 
our earthly desires be so spiritual that loving Him and delighting in Him would be our portion and our strength. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for this morning, and we do ask, oh Lord God, that you would change us, change us from the inside out. Lord, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you promised that when you deliver your people, that you're going to do it by giving us a new heart. So, Lord, I just pray, Father, that we would long, that we would anticipate, that we would be eagerly waiting for your return. All the good gifts that we enjoy here on earth, they're fine, they're great, they're awesome, but Lord, it points, these are just a foretaste of the full glory that is in you, Jesus. So Lord, I pray, God, that uh, St. Augustine prays, may our hearts be restless until they find their rest in you. So, Lord, I pray that we would feel that emptiness, O Lord God, in our lives because we haven't been pursuing you and loving you. We would feel, Lord, the emptiness, Lord, a pursuit of money and love of money and recognition and honor and respect of others. God, that we would pursue you, O Lord Jesus. So, Father, I pray that we would turn from our idols and run to the living God, and that we would wait for your return in hopes, Lord God, that you could fulfill the desires of our hearts. We love you, we worship you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We're so grateful that you joined us for Online Church. Don't forget, uh, we'll be doing family Uh, devotions and family discipleship through our advent go to newhopecommunity.tv slash advent so you can download that ebook and that guide so that we can spend time together anticipating his return amen amen well thank you for joining us once again we love you have an amazing week take care